watch cartoons We'll take a look back at where we've been So let's hop into our time machine Hello and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Katie. We're your animates, and today, uh, we you know we spend a lot of time on this show, Katie and I, talking about all the things that we love, some things that we hate. Um, but today we're switching it up a little bit and talking about the characters that we love to hate. Um, this is a common trope in animation and. It's a lot of fun uh, to look at at why, for some reason in cartoons, uh, there it, it does seem to be such a strong uh, affinity for watching characters we really aren't rooting for, but we still enjoy watching them try and succeed. Uh, really from like the earliest days of animation, this was a trope. Like when I think of like, for example, Looney Tunes cartoons, which would usually have two characters in a strong antagonistic relationship. Um, and then one of the two you would sort of be rooting against. Uh, the one that comes to mind most is like Daffy Duck versus Bugs Bunny or Elmer Fudd versus D Bugs Bunny. Basically everyone versus Bugs Bunny, actually, I think is fair to say. Um, but no one's favorite Looney Tune really is Bugs Bunny. I feel like everyone kind of has a favorite from one of those figures who is more antagonistic towards the one who's our quote-unquote main character. Um, you stole favorite? my idea. I was going to go Tom from Tom and Jerry. I, hey, that's not, they're not Looney Tunes. They're not, but you were basically going with it, but just didn't hit it. Well, I think I think we can sort of go through the years if we, if we want to, um, because I think it's a really... A part of the reason why I want to talk about it today is that I think it's a, a really prevailing cartoon theme, probably more so uh, than in live action. I feel like in live action, you kind of more get like the jerk with the heart of gold. Like, I think that's kind of the closest comparison point that's present in a lot of sitcoms. Um, but they're rarely like overtly antagonistic to our main characters. Like there's certainly a lot of villains and you know, you can argue that a villain, you know, is a, is a love to hate kind of figure as well. Um, but they're usually more like explicitly, we're not rooting for them kind of vibes versus in animation where it's almost as if you're equally rooting for them uh, at mm -hmm. all times. Like when Elmer Fudd is going after Bugs Bunny, Bugs is usually being a jerk right back. And part of you is kind of like, oh man, I really hope that one of these days he gets that stupid rabbit. Um, and similarly with, you know, Daffy Duck or Roadrunner and definitely with Tom from Tom and Jerry, uh, half the time you end the episode just feeling really bad for them and kind of mm -hmm. wishing they had succeeded. Like, you don't actually want to see Tom eat Jerry, or at least I don't. I don't know what goes on in your sick mind, Katie. Um, but you, you do sort of always end the episode being like, oh, poor Tom. My favorite episode of Tom and Jerry is the one where he thinks the kitten becomes... Oh, no, that's the dog. Is the episode of Tom and Jerry where the dog thinks that the kitten becomes a cookie? I believe that's a, one of the subsets of Tom and Jerry. I don't know if I've seen that one. That sounds... I'll cute. find it. That sounds really cute, though. Dog is the antagonist, and the kitten's just walking all over him. And he's getting grumpy, but then he thinks oh, the kitten becomes oh, a I cookie. Oh, I have seen that. I, I think I... I don't know if I've seen it all, but I've definitely seen... I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, that's a good one. I think it, it's not Tom and Jerry, but it, 
directed, no, I but I think it's the, the offshoot, one of the I off, think that's like, one of the Chuck Jones cartoons yeah. of the day. Um, yeah, but I, like, they're all in the very much same style, so they blend together in my head. Yeah, I mean, I think back in those, you know, I think this comes a lot from what we've discussed, uh, particularly in our episode about the golden age of animation. Um, animation in those early days kind of did fall into two categories. You had the sort of Disney style cartoons, which was looking at happy things and it would be, you know, Mickey Mouse dancing and flowers dancing and, you know, sort of happy animals. And there would be like a really clear uh, villain, like, you know, bad Pete who would come yell at them and they'd sort of like scuttle around him and everything would sort of be happy. Um, and then you had more of that Warner Brothers style, which was way heavier slapstick violence, uh, more adult humor, more quips, um, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, generally a little bit more, I don't want to say mature, because, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything particularly mature about, you know, violence and gags and things like that. I think they're all, you know, it's really by today's standards, fun for kids. Um, but uh, they, they definitely had more of an edge to them. Um, and I think that a big part of that was because they had a protagonist and an antagonist who were really relative equals in the storytelling. In fact, usually the protagonist was the least active character in the story. That's always the interesting part to me is that like Roadrunner does nothing. Roadrunner runs along the road and occasionally goes and meet me. He does nothing. The one we're kind of rooting through the whole time is Wiley Coyote, who's the one doing the thing. I mean, sort of same with Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny will, you know, his whole thing is like the least effort possible to get out of this situation, acts like he doesn't even care. And typically that wouldn't be the person who we'd be most interested in because they're doing the least. It's the villain who are the ones that we're actually focused on because they're the ones like with the scheme and the Acme invention. Well, You're telling me Roadrunner runs on roads? A Roadrunner does, in fact, run on roads. That's my a bit God. of a ton. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. So, right. I mean, it's, it's, you don't, you don't look at those things and, and, you know, necessarily, again, want Wiley Coyote to win. You love to see him fail. And that's, and that's kind of what I think we're getting at here with these, the, the, the characters we love to hate. You know, it's, so fun to watch Wiley Coyote fail. It's so funny to watch Elmer Fudd fail, to watch Tom fail. You know, all of these characters we love to see time and time again get their comeuppance. They're, they're the ones we love to hate. And that, that sort of has been uh, just a persistent trait uh, throughout uh, the history of animation. Um, I, I don't know, I, do, do you have any modern examples you want to chat about or shall I continue? I feel like I've been rambling a little. Well, I enjoy when you ramble. Um, I mean, I feel like the next one kind of trope is the, in the love to hate, is the ones you love to hate as a, more as a kid. And then you grow up and you go, oh, I understand you and your grumpiness. Now I'm trying to think, are you thinking of Plankton or Squidward? Both, half the time. <laughs> Mostly Squidward, but I do, I do feel a lot with Plankton, especially in the most recent SpongeBob, where he's just trying to save up enough money to afford college. <laughs> like, like a recent episode, like that, like just came out. Camp Coral. The whole premise oh. for Plankton is he's trying to save up money to go to college. Wait, no, that 
no, that's so that hits so hard. I don't like yeah. that. that <laughs> He's working at a summer camp, so he makes it up. He can make money for college. Hey, but you know what? At least we know that he does because he has that <laughs> iconic line. I went, I to, went college. to college. <laughs> Next Which, to, I'll see you all in therapy. <laughs> Plankton really did have the best one-liners like that. What a sad, sad existence he had with his computer wife. Her, her name was Karen, right? Karen, his computer wife. I I do have to say, whenever I see him in, in that one scene where I think it was the one where he was like imagining which like the better life where he was Mr. Krabs, where he has holographic meatloaf for dinner and it like that like sad, like live action image of the holographic meatloaf. I do sometimes think of that moment whenever I've made myself like a particularly sad dinner that's like, yeah, this is what I really like to be eating, but like I'm an adult, so I have to eat my veggies. Uh, I just sort of think that same energy of huh, holographic meatloaf. But let's all admit that holographic meatloaf looks pretty decent. And I don't even Honestly, like meatloaf. that was the best looking meatloaf I've ever seen. Most meatloaf, once you've actually created it, no matter how delicious it tastes, kind of looks like dried up poop. Like, let's be real and then there's And then there's Squidward, who's just a burnt out uh mid 20 year old yeah i yeah, it's sad i do i do relate to squidward a lot more as an adult as a kid he was just that grown up getting in your way and not wanting to have any fun but like kind of get it now i also want peace and quiet on my weekends and i don't want i also hate customer service and understand how bad it is and would like a customer to hit me over the head with a baseball bat sometimes just get it over with yeah, in a hindsight, funniest character on the show. Like, I don't know. I don't think I, I, I don't think I disliked him as a kid. I think I sort of had a similar, you know, love to hate kind of relationship. But now it's like deep commiseration. Like now it's not even love to hate anymore. Like for me, as an adult watching Squidward, it's I, I want better for you, Squidward. I want you, I want you to have your best life, and I feel so sad for you. Yep. Ugh, what what a I mean I, I feel like also Mr. Krabs in a in a way kind of falls into that like he's also rarely the winner at the end of his stories he usually gets some kind of comeuppance and we're mm -hmm. usually pretty happy to see it even it he, he doesn't have quite the same level of fun watching him like I feel like you kind of just like hate watching him half the time I just, feel like now that we're adults and are underpaid uh for sure uh we don't like the nickel and diming capitalism <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I feel like he was always such a jerk to SpongeBob that I think we were never mm -hmm. really on his side. But yeah, no. I think I think he seems like way more of a jerk now. Yeah, SpongeBob really gets recolored as you age. Honestly, there are levels. There's so many levels to this. Like, I'm sure there's college courses already, like examining the philosophy of SpongeBob, and I would be fascinated to find out more about that. If there aren't, that's our new TED Talk. Let's get writing. What do you think this is, Katie? Do you think this podcast is not our TED Talk series? No, I want that specific one, though. Get writing. Katie, be the TED Talk you want to see in the world. I believe in you. So you won't write for me? I don't think I need to. I think you're the resident expert on SpongeBob. I don't think, That's what fair. could I do except have you bounce stuff off of me? You're just better at the wordsmithing. I'll send me a 
if anyone has learned anything about this podcast, it should be that you are able to talk and make sense for very long periods of time with mm-hmm. very little things. And I'm just here going, mm-hmm, you go. I can, I can definitely talk for long periods of time. The question of whether or not I make sense, jury's still out. That's fair. Um, but speaking of SpongeBob, I feel like there's a whole slew of 90s shows that like really fall into this category. I think for some reason, the 90s was just like a treasure trove of kind of jerk characters. Um, Ren and Stimpy come to mind uh, from that Nickelodeon era. Just really frustrating and way bad. I feel like it was because the skater boy was in. That's a good point. The bad boy. Mid-90s to late 2000s, maybe mid-2000s. Bad boys are in. Well, it like it sort of started with Bart Simpson because like there was it's weird to think about now because the Simpsons are like kind of one of the most wholesome adult shows there is now. But like back in the early 90s when it was first starting and people weren't really sure what this like adult animation thing even was. Uh, there were like all kinds of like calls to ban the show because n- not because of like the you know naughty humor or anything, but mostly just because they thought Bart Simpson would be a bad influence on the youth of America. And yeah, maybe he was, um, but, you know, because he rejected authority, he pulled pranks. Like, up to that point, cartoon kids were generally sweet and kind. Like, even on, like, a show like The Flintstones, where Pebbles and Bam Bam caused trouble, they they were kind of just, like, goofy toddlers. Like, they did it, they, they caused mischief in a very inadvertent way, and the focus was always on the adults. Um, but suddenly with the Simpsons and especially in the early seasons, the show transitioned much harder to being focused on Homer in the later seasons, but season one and two were really focused on Bart as the protagonist, um, which is what the uh, Mac Raining originally wanted for the, for the show, um, until Homer became the fan favorite. Um, but with, with Bart as, as your, you know, mischievous scamp, um, he, he, he sometimes gets his comeuppance at the end, sometimes doesn't. Um, but yeah, like I said, he's always the skater boy, literally. He has a, a skateboard. You know, the very first thing, the very first shot of him we see in every episode is him in detention before skipping out and causing mayhem on the streets. Uh, but we, I think he's a different kind of love to hate villain because I think we do genuinely want to see him succeed. And it's very sad in the cases when he doesn't. Um, like he's he's almost the opposite end because he he most he mostly does um actually the more I think about it I think in general Bart usually comes out on top by the end of his episodes and I think that's also somewhat of the shift that happens in this period as we go from you know that sort of almost like Hayes Code era line of thinking that like the bad guys must always lose to we get to the nineties and suddenly we're kind of a little more cynical and it's okay if our you know kind of bad character wins at the end um but what, one thing that comes really strongly to me uh is is the first episode of season two which is incidentally the highest rated simpsons episode ever uh in, in terms of nielsen ratings uh that that fact always amazes me because that was 1990 um uh, it more speaks to the decline of tv viewership in general um but in that episode um uh bart is in danger of uh he's in danger of, of being held back because he is is not very bright. Um, and we spend the whole episode watching him basically put off studying until the very last minute um, for the one test that would keep him in his current class. 
Um, and again, in that very like Roadrunner-esque, like, ooh, we know we should be studying, but it's really entertaining to keep watching him get distracted. Um, and, you know, I, I won't spoil the ending, but the the line, you know, part of this D minus belongs to God is the end of the show, which always gets me so much. It's just, it's- uh, This is an un, not an animation related one, but half the time Bart Simpson really reminds me of Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. I think they're very similar. I think I think Calvin definitely Calvin. deserves some credit for the rise of the Bart Simpson type character. And will also in there, Calvin and Hobbes, somewhat of a love to hate character. <laughs> He's just a little menace to society, but also the source of the favorite quote that I think just described my life. I just have a command of thoroughly useless information. Why haven't we gotten that on a t-shirt for you? That's a great question. I wanted it to be my yearbook quote <laughs> in high school. What happened? Why not? My parents talked me out of it. Second runner was, you know, Hobbs, even some days my lucky rocket ship underpants don't work. That's a great one. I was my told neither of those were good and to pick a real quote. It's that's I, why. They said not for I, high school yearbook. I did not run my yearbook submissions by my parents because they might have not wanted me to put the Ralph Wiggum quote, me fail English, that's impossible as mine, which is what I did. And then I had my English teacher sign it. <laughs> also, I was supposed to submit a picture of me as a child and I decided to submit my sonogram image from when I was like 17 weeks in the womb, I think. Uh, I forgot this was your rebellious teenager stage. This was like the small, talk about like, you know, bad boy kids. Like I had the stupidest rebellions you could think of. I'm like, yeah, they asked me to do one thing. I'm going to obey the letter of the law and not the spirit. Take that school. Well, this was also the time you got kicked out of class. Health class. Yeah, I had a, I had beef with my health class teacher, but that's not an important tangent. You're, you're a love to hate character. <laughs> I very much am. So thanks for listening to me, viewers. I hope that you also, listeners, we don't, we're not, we're not a visual medium. We, uh, we did that for eight episodes and then we said never again. Don't yeah, let anyone see our faces. We, we, you know, we, we don't need to be seen. We're, we're better as a, a, a spiritless voice in the abyss. Um, our faces were made for radio. Woof. <laughs> That's a dad joke. It is. It is a dad joke. Every, everyone has heard that joke from their father once in their life. You see, I haven't heard it from mine, but that's because my dad used to work in radio. Ah, oh, I see, I see. So, so did my dad. I, I don't know if I knew that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was a disc jockey once. We should get our dads together. They'd have a lot to talk about. Uh, Scarlett, I maybe, think it's a very bad decision, but continue. Maybe they can start their own podcast. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. I, so I was so sort of spiraling off from from Bart Simpson, um, you know, one one of the shows that obviously took a lot of influence from The Simpsons uh, was South Park, which is a show made up entirely out of four characters you love to hate. Um, I think it's South Park is kind of a particular kind of love to hate for me as as I've grown older myself. Uh, when I first started watching South Park, I, w I was older than the four main boys, obviously. Um, but not that much older and still kind of in that, again, kind of rebellious mindset of like, yeah, they're right. Um, and as I've gotten older, I feel like they're sort of like dark mirrors of all the worst aspects of our childhood selves. 
uh, Cartman's obviously the, the most clear love to hate. He is the one who more or less at the end of every episode is going to have some kind of comeuppance for himself. Um, some Sometimes he manages to just succeed um, or eke out a victory that only he could consider a victory. Um, like there's one episode uh, where he really wants to go to this was apparently real and now owned by Trey Parker and Matt Stone Mexican restaurant, which is always a fun fact whenever I see that, that they saved this kitschy Mexican restaurant from being closed down just because they loved it so much when they were kids. Um, but he manages to go on the trip to go to the restaurant, but in the end is about to be like arrested and hauled off to prison slash juvie. And he still feels like he got the win because he spent 30 seconds in the restaurant. So there's like all kinds of little things like that where like you, you, you again, you, you feel for him. Like you, you think the entire time, oh, you are a terrible human being and I hate you so much. But also, boy, is it entertaining to watch him either somehow get a victory or just be horribly, horribly crushed by life. Um, I don't know which one I prefer, honestly. It's, it's fun seeing, you know, the anvil fall on top of Wile E. Coyote. That's how it always feels, really, at the end of a very Cartman-heavy episode where you think, you think for one moment that he's going to get that roadrunner and then the anvil drops and Eric Cartman does not get his way. Um, yeah, tro- trope is old as time, but it works, unlike South Park, which I don't think works anymore. <laughs> Um, I have. Yeah, I think it's, it's more obvious, I think, in adult animation, but it definitely shows up quite a bit in uh, kid-based animation. Um, if there's a more child-friendly version of South Park, I'd say it's Ed, Ed, and Eddie, one of your favorites. Yeah. None like, of in those. that similar vein, I think all three of those boys are our worst impulses as children. You have Ed, who is just the idiot who doesn't understand the world. You have Double D, who is the smart Alec, Alec, well, actually kid who doesn't know when it's time to shut up and just be part of a social interaction. Uh, And then you have Eddie, who is the Eric Cartman, who is always by the end going to get some kind of comeuppance for just generally being a jerk to all of his friends. Yeah, there's there's a lot of characters in that show you uh, don't want to like. Honestly, I don't love any of them except for Jimmy. Jimmy was the little boy with the retainer, right? Yeah, Jimmy. And uh, and Plank. I like Plank. Mm-hmm. Plank never did anything to nobody. Plank did nothing wrong. I don't know. Plank could have committed mass murder. It's unclear in those eyes. Th- those eyes have seen some things. They have seen into your soul and back. And they yeah. know what you did. But yeah, Ed and he's definitely in that 90s ed- edgy teen character phase. Yeah, the just 90s enjoy all of them because they're kind of terrible. Wow, it's like when we play D&D. Wow, we're really influenced by our 90s media. I really think that we have been more influenced by our 90s media than we necessarily even know. Can, I, because, yeah. can my next ones be all the D&D characters you've ever made? what oh yes i love to hate characters i love to hate characters all the characters i ever made yes that's fair that's definitely (laughs) fair to say um i am yeah you know it's it's funny like you you tend to make characters who like might have like their moral grayness but are like generally like 
I mean, if not upstanding citizens, then definitely like team players at the very least. And mine throw the wrench in things quite a bit. Yep. Moving and on. I, and I and look, I and similar to like you know these characters, I do take pleasure in putting them in situations where they get their comeuppance. So clearly, I'm. That's true. You know, why else would I give a character half the walking speed that the rest of you do just so that they could fall behind and not be part of the actual fight? Uh, you. This explains why you actually now think about why you wanted to pitch this episode idea. I, I don't know. I just I think there's just something about these characters that I find very interesting because I know it's a fine line. That's the thing. Like, mm -hmm. I think part of the reason why live action is nervous about threading that needle is because you can be a lot more broad in a cartoon um, in ways that you you have to sort of live action by definition kind of has to have those elements of subtlety. And I think in those gray areas is where a character who is designed to be loved to hate really easily turns into, I just hate him and I don't like seeing him on screen and I want him gone. Um, so I think animation is, you know, when, when done well, um, does a really good job of making us enjoy watching those characters, even as we're rooting against them. Um, mm -hmm. honestly, I can't really think of a good example in live action of that. I think even characters who are like, like, what, like I think someone like Walter White, like, I don't think anyone ever watches Breaking Bad and thinks, ooh, I really can't wait to see Walter White fail. I think there's like a morbid curiosity about that. But I think even though he does bad things, I think watching it, you're still sort of on his side. You sort of, you want, you, you, you relate to him. You want him to be a good guy or a bad guy in this case. Um, and you don't really want, you're not really relishing in his failures in more of a way than you would, you know, any other show being like, I like juicy drama. Um, he's not Wiley e. Coyote, who we laugh every time he faces another setback and we're still like a little warm and fuzzy at the end when it doesn't all turn out okay. But like, you know, we, it, it, it's, a, it's a very different uh, setup in live action. So I just, I, I, know, I thought it was an interesting uh, thing to examine. Um, and I think, you know, even in modern cartoons, like I think Grunkle Stan on Gravity Falls is a, is a, is a uh, uh, successor to this trope. I think uh -huh. he w warms up into more of just a straight up protagonist, but certainly in season one, he is definitely your love to hate jerk uncle. Um, and we enjoy seeing him being, you know, the one who is, is ruining the fun of our main characters. I think modern animation has made a lot of really compelling villains also that are so well written mm. that you do indeed hate, but you're like, oh, you're such a good character. I love you, but also you're the worst. Uh, any Anything top of mind for that? Uh, yeah, Korra has a ton of villains, I feel like, in that. I feel like each season, Korra's villains are great. Amon in season one It's one of my favorite yeah. villains just cool design um also because i feel like there's a lot of at least in that one there's a lot of like you can go well you have a great idea approach interesting choice mm -hmm. um 
I think almost every character in um, She-Ra, including the villains, is one that I can love to hate at different points. I think Catra, especially in the early Oh. seasons, really falls into this. Like, we Yeah. really want to watch her fail to get Adora, but we really are excited to watch that happen. Catra, and then the later. This one's a newer one, so <laughs> won't go into spoilers because we've had a spoiler episode, I think. Or have we actually? yeah. I don't think we have. Well, one day. Um, later, later antagonists are also very similar. Um, Catra's the main example, though. Um, what else we got? Well, I was thinking when you when you mentioned Legend of Korra, my mind Im immediately went to Varric. Um, Yeah. I think he's sort of again more, you know, I, I think villains definitely fall into this trope at times. I think the line gets a little blurred because I think there's a difference between like a compelling, fun villain and like that sort of Tom and Jerry-esque like, ooh, I really, like, really want to like, you know, or once I want to see him catch that thing. Um, I, I think, you know, We 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 love to see Amon come into con uh, into conflict with Korra, um, but I feel like it's with Varric that I like most strongly feel those same vibes of like, oh my god, you are such a jerk, but you're such an entertaining jerk. Like I honestly, he gets a very happy ending at the end of the series, and yeah, like he had a redemption arc, so I guess he's earned it. But like, I kind of wanted to see him lose one last time. It's just. very funny watching this guy you know rise to glory like a strutting peacock and then like fall like a stone <laughs> but okay fine Beric you 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 were a good hero at the end of the day so I guess you get that woman who you absolutely do not deserve um yeah and I think you know certainly uh uh you know talk about like first season villains um like similar to Catra I think Zuko in Avatar yeah very much falls into this Um, Azula's more just like your straight up villain. Um, but yeah, again, that I, I feel like a lot of these really more I think about just do take so heavily from that Tom and Jerry slash uh Roadrunner uh vibes, where like that is kind of what first season Avatar is. It's the most gorgeously animated, compelling Roadrunner cartoon you'll ever see. Um, with Zuko just chasing Aang and the gang across the the continent. Um But yeah, I mean, he's very much the road runner in that circumstance. Heck, he even get, whenever he gets like a giant boulder dropped on his ship, that's like kind of the equivalent of the anvil dropping on top of Wiley Coyote, isn't it? Um, but but he's even though he's the antagonist of season one, he still really feels like a secondary protagonist, very much in that Tom and Jerry road runner and uh, Wiley Coyote kind of way. Like he has usually he is the star of his own B plot. Um, which is rare in, in most shows to give a B-plot to the villain, to give them equal standing in the episode in terms of an arc to our protagonist. Um, and that's, of course, what makes us love Zuko so much, even as we don't want him to get uh, his hands on Aang. Um, but it, but that also comes very much from those early, uh, you know, cat and mouse kind of cartoons is, you know, Tom was usually the one with the arc and Jerry wasn't really doing much. So honestly, all Avatar did was give Jerry slightly more of a story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what are some others? I mean, I, I feel like there, there are definitely, I'm trying to think if there's any of that in, because Steven Universe has some cat and mouse thing. Um, I mean, uh... I yeah, guess. I, 
I think Peridot falls Peridot, into yeah. Peridot was- strikes me as the as the clearest example of of the love to hate um mm-hmm. even to the point where she did fall in that in that one episode uh was it called the kindergarten kid uh where she and steven are trapping the 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 very roadrunner-esque monster in the kindergarten um that's like very the whole episode is meant to be an homage to roadrunner and wiley coyote and i right i guess they they picked up on the same vibes because they peridot is wiley coyote in that scene uh, she is the one who is getting stuff dropped on her. She is the one who is just like almost, om- almost more like Yosemite Sam, kind of going like a razzle, razzle, dazzle, razzle, razzle, and manage to catch the uh, the creature. Um, so yeah, definitely, I'd say on Steven Universe, that's Peridot. Um, on Adventure Time, uh, Jake is sort of more of the Cartman category of jerk character um who he he's more of the will probably get his way by the end um often to the facepalm of the other characters um but we love to see it because he's just charming and he's made the perfect sandwich so we 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 love him for that mm, sandwich a piece of sandwich no 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 yeah um yeah, any any other major examples you can think of? I mean, I, I honestly, we could probably go through every animated show of all time and find ourselves, you know. Yeah, we can going. get one. I feel like if I were to pick a, another protagonist, I feel like Timmy Turner is a big one who's a protagonist who you learn to love, that you love to hate in the end because the kids getting comeuppance at the end of every episode also and that same thing. That's a really good point. Yeah, he Timmy Turner, I feel like, is the rare love-to-hate character who is 100% the protagonist. Like, I think you could maybe make the argument for Bart Simpson or even Eric Cartman being, like, the protagonist, but I think it's the most clear-cut with someone like Timmy. And, yeah, we definitely want him to learn his lesson by the end of the episode. Um, I, I, guess, I guess there's sort of, like, a category of, like, the moral uh love to hate like the one who we want to see learn a lesson we i don't think we ever want him to like really suffer because he doesn't really i mean usually you know by the end of the episode there's we return to status quo we usually return to status quo except in some versions where there's longer i think sometimes there's longer consequences over like a little arc Mm. Right, yeah, right. that falls into more of a learn your moral lesson. I feel like as you get older, then you get a little, it gets more into that again because now you're you're an adult and you're going, oh wow, wow that that was a dumb decision, kid. Come on. Right. I mean, when when you're watching Fairly Odd Parents, you never watch the episode and say, oh, Timmy wished for the world to be made out of candy. Like, I can't wait to see what rollicking adventures he has in the world of candy. You are like waiting like a little bit sadistically to see how this blows up in his face. No, I feel like uh, I've learned some lessons about the world of candy from other media. It's ferocious. There's a reference for one person who rarely listens to this podcast. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know. I, that was a reference for one you were, person. I thought you were saying, now that I am an adult and I have to go to the dentist for tooth issues, I don't like the idea of a world of candy. I'll get you to watch this media one day. What? What is it? Dimension 20, A Crown of Candy. I only have so many D&D podcasts I can listen to, Katie. It's shorter. I. It's only 17 right. two-hour episodes. 
let's talk when I, if and when I finish Critical Role, okay? <laughs> well, I've got bad news. You're going to be in campaign three one day. One day, one day. <laughs> All uh, right, you got well, any other characters? No, I, I think we've, I think we've made our points, uh, unless you have anything else you want to uh, add to the discussion. No, I feel like I've made fun of you enough. I've accomplished my D&D reference of the day. You know, I'm feeling good. Yeah, take a shot, listeners, if you're playing the game, when will Katie reference D&D? It's happened several times now, so I hope you're suitably drunk. That's a terrible drinking game. You might die. I, yeah, probably, probably. Um, but it's fun. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you may die, but it's fun, I think is a good slogan just for life. That's fair. All right. I'll get take us out of this podcast so I can go to bed. <laughs> thank, thank you, uh, all of our listeners. Uh, we love to hate you. Uh, <laughs> and, we, and we hope you hate to love us. What? I don't know. <laughs> I, huh? I, you know what? Just It, it sounded better in my head. <laughs> I'm going to go back into the cartoon time machine to rethink my life. Oh, I'm no, scared. not again. I'm Katie. We're your animates, and we will see you next time. <laughs>